so glad you could join us for mornings at YCVC today. We want to thank you for being a part of our online family and we hope that this message encourages you, blesses you and helps you grow in your walk with Him. So let's get into the Word. I want to talk today about something that's really hard because it challenges me about all sorts of things that occur both in the world and in my life and that is peace in relationships. And when you stop and think about that for a moment, you realise that relationships will be an important part of peace. They should be on the run-on side on, every, uh, on a series on peace, so they're included here today. I want to start off by saying there is a, an enormous range of relationships that we have to think about when we start thinking about peace. And it's there in the scriptures, and I'll show you some of that this morning. But as you think about it, there's those relationships with people close to you and me, and then it just keeps on spreading out. And it spreads uh, into the church, it spreads into our workplaces, it spreads into our sporting activities, entertainment, it spreads into the nation, into the local council, into the federal parliament. It spreads across the nations. It spreads between the nations. Relationships are really important. I have a friend who prays in Parliament House and prays each time we meet for the president of Russia and the president of China and ask that they be converted to Jesus and change the trajectory of our world. What a fine prayer. That's what was in the song this morning. That was, sorry, I don't know which of you to say. That was in the song this morning about the power of God to do things that is absolutely amazing. But when we think about it, there's also another thing to consider. It's our approach to these different relationships and the context in which we encounter peace or lack of it, let me give you an example. We know that when we come to the Lord Jesus, he pours his peace into our lives by his spirit. And that comes because we hear the word of God and the spirit works within us and we receive him. But for other people, when they hear exactly the same thing, Jesus tells us that he will not bring peace but division and that will flow even into our families. So which of these aspects do we take in a certain situation? Let me give you another example. There are people who avoid truth and justice and God by saying, peace, peace, or she'll be right, mate. But there is no peace in that. And on the other side of the coin, there are times when there are people who are called to love their enemies. And at other times, one of my favourites, as far as it depends on you, be at peace. Because there's sometimes you ain't got control of the peace situation You've only got control of what you can contribute to it. Let me give you another example. 
We speak the truth in love and from love and hope that the people will be content. But there are other times when speaking the truth isn't the right thing to do in a relationship because love overlooks a multitude of sins. And speaking the truth at a moment, husbands know this by instinct, that there's a right thing and a right, a right time and a wrong time to say something. You know that, guys? I've had lots of experience of that. I've had 41 years of experience of that. So, we need to come back and look at some things. The basic approach I think we need to have, if we're going to live in peace with God and peace with other people, we need to start off by saying every single person on this planet is valuable in God's sight. And if we're going to be at peace, we've got to start off from a perspective that says, despite the differences that we have, I value that person. Doesn't matter how old they are, doesn't matter what gender they are, doesn't matter what race they are, I value that person because God made that person in his image. And if we're going to come in peace in situations, let's start there. And then let's bring this into the life of the church and the fellowship of God's people and respect fellow believers in their journey and in their relationship with God who loves them, despite where they are on the journey. So with that in mind, let's look at our passage today in Colossians chapter 3 and verses 1 to 17. Think about how we can build peace. We can share relationships and maintain them and despite our peace-breaking practices, be at peace in our relationships. And the key verse for that is in verse 15. It says... Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. Think about that for a moment. There's two dimensions there. First is the peace that occurs in your heart. The second is the peace that occurs in the group of people that he is addressing. The first is a link to this personal peace with God, but extends that peace of God personally, deep within ourselves. We are people who are to love him, to love our neighbour as we love ourselves. I was talking to a counsellor the other day and she said to me, the lack of love for oneself and the respect of oneself is a deep, difficult and divisive issue. We need to have this peace of God within us if we're going to give it to someone else. The second is the relational peace amongst us that overflows from that. So peace within overflows to peace in community and in relationships with other people. So if you're the peace person and the people around you are in difficulty, it starts with you, dude. 
starts with you. So how do we do that in a broken world where peace is anything but the norm? How do I live at peace with you? And how do you live at peace with sinful me? In marriage, in family, wherever. There's a number of clues in this passage that I want to draw attention to. Colossians chapter 3, I think, is one of the most majestic passages in the scriptures. I keep on coming back to it time and time again. It contrasts the old life in the flesh, ruled by a sinful human nature, with a new life that is joined and hidden and focused on the risen Christ who gives us hope for eternity. It's a beautiful passage of scripture. One way of life leads to death, the other to eternal life, and this new life has been given to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. So, chapter 3, verses 1 to 3. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your, heart, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. What that does is give us an eternal perspective on the life that we live now. An eternal perspective. Think about that for a minute. Where is your heart and mind set on? Where is mind set on? I'm already saved, therefore I have peace with God. We have peace with God because we trust the Lord Jesus Christ in his work to save us. Now, what direction is your heart and mind set on? Is it set on self and living for yourself or is it set on Christ and the glory of living for God? And do that in whatever you're doing. And with that, with that eternal perspective. Long time ago, I came to realise that that eternal perspective is really, really important. Because I had some conflicts. You know, those things that would happen to us. And I realised that the person I was having a conflict with who was really getting under my skin, absolute pain in the neck from my perspective, not my wife. <laughs> I did that to her. No. This was a person in the church. And I stopped one day and stood back and said, Lynn, you're going to be with this person in eternity. And if you're going to be with this person in eternity, how about you start living out that eternal perspective in the way in which you treat her? and the attitude you have towards her. Is that powerful? Is that easy? No. One of the treats that we missed out on today, which will probably not come up, is the story of Corrie Temboon. You may have heard the story. She's on her speaking tour. And out of the audience comes someone to speak to her. 
and he, re he reaches out his hand towards her and says, my name is so-and-so, I was one of the prison guards. The people that had been so cruel and hard and whose actions had taken the life of her own sister. And he said, I'm now a Christian. Will you forgive me? How hurt are you by someone in the church? Will you forgive me, he said. I am your brother in Christ and Christ has died for the sins that I did against you. And within her, in that moment, her heart cried out and she said, I cannot. And then in that moment, which to me is an absolute miracle, she realised that if she could not forgive him, her sins could not be forgiven either. Lord's Prayer. And she said, because of Christ, I forgive. And reached out his, her hand towards her and said, brother. So you've got your knickers in a knot about something stupid, have you? How does that compare with Koritembu? And how does it compare to the wealth of grace and forgiveness that's in the Lord Jesus? That we will share in heaven for eternity? And you want to hold a grudge about someone who... Wears their hair the wrong way or something. I don't know what it is. Tell me. Get over it for eternity's sake and for Christ's sake. So we need to deal with the peace breakers, the things in ourselves and our relationship. Because I want to say to you, not everyone sees the things in the same way and not everyone agrees with everything that you or I will do constantly. True? There's always someone who says, no, there's another way of doing that. <laughs> or, no, I don't like that. It's the way in which things are. So we need to deal with conflict and how we deal with it. There are... Things that we deal about, uh, that we disagree about or that we have conflict over that are to do with the substance or the content. We have different ideas. And we have them strongly. And we think, does peace mean that we step back from that? And I'd like to say, no, it doesn't. In fact... Having different ideas adds to the community and brings a wholeness and richness to how we relate and work with each other. And having different ideas means at times that we say, ah, 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 no, 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 that's the wrong way to go. It means that we speak up when things aren't right. It means that there's truth and justice that we seek we have different ideas and it's okay to have them. We do not break the peace 
by having different ideas from one another. We tend to break the peace from my perspective in the way in which we deal with it, with those people. Do you understand what I'm saying? So if we come with an attitude of arrogance, if we come with a critical spirit and heart, we will cause the breaking of peace in our relational, at the relational dimension rather than at the knowledge and concept dimension. So if you recognise that you are differing, walk carefully in the way in which you value and speak to other people. Let me put that into the context of this passage for you. There are two aspects. One, those things that need to be sorted out and put to death and those things that need to be enlivened and encouraged within us. And I can't go through every word in that passage because there's, oh my goodness. But think about the things that are there. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed, which is idolatry, and because of these the wrath of God is coming. You used, you used to walk in, ways, in those ways in the life you once lived. But now you are also you must also rid yourselves of such things as anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language. Do not lie to one another since you have taken off the old self and its practices and have put on a new self which is being renewed in the knowledge in the image of its creator. There is no longer Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian or all black, Scythian, Scythian slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. I'm sorry about the addition to the text. I, I misread. Okay. These are powerful things that are written in this text. And amazingly, they are there so that we are set free from them. Their removal and exclusion may sound as though they're negative things. And in a sense, they are. But they're sort of the things that make up a bad diet. Have enough of it and it's going to kill you. But the removal or absence of these things is part of the process that brings health and healing and peace. It's the sort of thing that restores broken relationships. It is a process towards completeness, a process towards soundness, that is the basis of what peace or shalom is all about. Get rid of that junk out of your life. I'm sorry. Now the flip side of this is what maintains or builds or grows peace and this is there in verse 12 onwards. 
Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with one another and forgive each other if any of you has a grievance against anyone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all of these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Go collect some of those clothes. Wear them in your wardrobe. You'll never be better dressed than if you're dressed in those things. They will increase your peace, not diminish it. They will make your relationships richer and stronger. These are the characteristics of the peacemaker, the characteristics of Jesus. And then there is the second set of things that's there in verse 15 onwards. Worship team, thank you for your beautiful ministry, but we're not going to talk about these passages today. But let me read it to you. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your heart. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Look at these beautiful words. Christ being central, Christ us being thankful. Make it our theme song. Sing it out loud. Make these our celebration. Make these our practice. Let these describe what happens when we're together, which you've done so beautifully today. Thank you. Make these our lifestyle. Make these our home style. Make these our workplace attitudes. Make it real. And I've got a sense, and I may be wrong, that people like this, living like this, have other people ask them questions about their life and what it is that makes them who they are. Because there's another group of people who will look saying, I saw you do that. But if they see this, what are they going to see? They're going to see Jesus flowing through our lives. So I sat back and I asked myself the question, well, how are you going doing this yourself? Dude, you're up there preaching it. What happens to you? So I did a little bit of a check. One of the things that I do in my spare time in retirement is to mentor some people. There's about six, eight people that I mentor. And one of the people that I mentor is a student at a theological college and he is doing a course where I am have the privilege of being his... He's doing a course in spiritual formation and I have the privilege of being his mentor in that course. 
And part of the evaluation in that course is to ask questions about how he is performing and, and uh, operating in areas, and I don't know whether, here. In each of the areas, uh, ask these questions. Is this of minimal impact in, in your life? Uh, is this uh, generally consistent? Are you, are you generally like this? Um, is it, are you consistent in this or are you highly consistent in this? Is this really who you are? So I had the privilege of going through this stuff with him and, and, and talking about it. But I want to take that principle and say, let's bring that into this passage of scripture today and sit with it. So when I preached this sermon first, which was about 12 months ago, I sat down and I did a checklist. And I think this is how it works. I'd like to encourage you to do this. Sit down and say, how well am I doing with this? How well is there eternal perspective operating in my life? Then I began to list each of the things that were mentioned under the things to get rid of. And then I listed the things that were there to be incorporated and advanced and strengthened in my life. And I want to ask you to run a ruler over this, a, a guideline over this. And knowing that I was preaching this today, this morning I got up and after my prayer time, I put the ruler up again. And I put it up again and I compared it with how it was last time, 12 months down the track. And there are some things that were better and there are some things that weren't. And they're the ouch moments that I have as I bring my life before God on a daily basis and say, Lord, guide me in the ways you wanted me to be in my relationships. Have a go at that. If you're really, really, really brave... Ask your partner how you're going in that. And if you're absolutely crazy brave and they're old enough, particularly if they're teenage years, <laughs> you will learn truths that you didn't want to hear. Because every now and again, my sons come out and go, Poof, and I realise, <clears throat> Dad, <clears throat> yeah. Okay. Find that frightening? Yep. Okay. That's me trying to say, hey, the scripture is not just a word that sits in the past. It's a word that sits into my life in the present. And if I want to align myself to the ways of the Lord Jesus, I want to go down that path. Getting rid of the stuff and going on towards that. So how are you going in your relationships? God is a God of peace. He brings peace within. Peacemakers build peace and love and unity and relationships and maintain this. And when peace is challenged in a broken world, 
And it will be challenged in a broken world. It is challenged all the time in a broken world. We need the peace of God. God's peace in his gospel. God's peace in relationship with other people. We need it until Jesus comes again and there will be perfect peace. And today I want to encourage you to be that person of peace, to live it out and to share it with other people for your sake. Because you're not going to be not going to be depleted by being a person of peace. And share it for seek it because there's other people who need peace to flow through you to them. And share it to the glory of the God of peace, who is our hope forever. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you're so good. You are so, so good to us. Your heart's desire is that we be in peace with you through the Lord Jesus. And you provided all the ways for which that can happen. You've done it all. Help us to know that peace within our hearts and then to live it in relationship with others. And we thank you for your goodness and grace to us as you do that within us and you help us do that by your spirit. Bring glory to your name, we pray, in a church and in lives like ours, filled with your peace, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. As you head back into your week, we want to encourage you to stay in his word, stay in his love, and stay strong in your faith. Don't forget to keep up to date with what's happening via Facebook, Instagram, or via our website at ycbc.church. See you soon.